With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3, wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you live from Beijing, I'm He Young. Good as always to have you along. The digital nomad has become a notable character of the pandemic-induced remote work era. Once glamorized social media darlings and a faraway dream for regular workers, now they are facing growing hostility from local residents. What's the real reason why locals cannot stand digital nomads. And women-only gyms have popped up in many Chinese cities. We discuss the appeal and shortcomings of female-only gyms. For today's program, I'm joined by Fei Fei and Ding Hung in the studio. First on today's show... Ever since the concept of digital nomads took off three years ago, the whole work online, travel the world, and live the dream angle has been done to death in a million places. We've covered this more than a couple of times, possibly on this show in the last three years. Now, the darker side of the digital nomad life has surfaced. A growing number of these foreign remote workers found themselves facing animosity from the very communities they've catapulted into. And it might have come a bit as a surprise to digital nomads that what? You're not liked? <laughs> well, guys, uh, could we also try to give people a brief introduction and definition to digital nomads? Or I can start off with that. Um, I think, yeah, I think digital nomads are not really a new concept mm -hmm. to this day. But um, it's basically people who can work remotely, not sit in an office yeah. eight hours every day. Um, but they can travel to different countries and regions or cities mm -hmm. and still be able to get work done through um, especially other technological or other means, mostly online. And especially, I think, after the pandemic, um, more people are turning into this digital nomads lifestyle simply because, you know, technology like Zoom and on other online conference platforms have mm -hmm. opened up more opportunities for workers. But now I think with more people are taking up the job, problems start to, to surface and to make people realize, you know, maybe this is more complicated than we originally imagined. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I I guess one of the um uh, one of the problems we are talking about today is many of these people they migrate to a to another country or another place where the cost of living is lower. So, but they are still able to earn the level of salary from say a more economically developed region, right? By、mm -hmm. living in a place that is cheaper. So. This kind of、um, practices lead to higher cost of living, higher, you know, prices for the places where they are staying right now. So that's a problem for, I guess, for the local people. I、right. guess,、um, yeah. Here we can, for example, we can、mm -hmm. start by talking about a particular case that、uh, I guess happened in Indonesia. Reuters、uh, reported in 2021 that an American influencer was deported from Bali, Indonesia, after she posted a tweet promoting, you know, this kind of a digital nomad lifestyle, saying that the Bali island has been amazing for her because of the elevated lifestyle at a much lower cost of living. She was paying 1,300 U.S. dollars for. For her LA studio now, she only、uh, she can own a treehouse for four thousand dollars in the case of Bali. So basically, Indonesian authorities、um, have since accused her of spreading information that could unsettle the public. You know, and there's also something more to it. That is, you're almost I wouldn't say necessarily say look down upon the local people, but you're kind of Um,、sure. insinuating, insinuating in a way that because you're earning salary elsewhere, earning revenues elsewhere from a higher-paying economy or as such, and then you're kind of. It's it's not is it blunt show off? It's not even necessarily that, but it's just a a sense that you're kind of superior in a way,、mm -hmm. or or without necessarily noticing it, you're kind of exploiting this cheaper、um, uh, situation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that now you're in, and, and also this is more of an international story than of a Chinese story.、Mm. I feel because for Chinese people to want to engage into this kind of international digital nomad lifestyle, then you would need the visa to go to that country to stay for more than a month. I think you know digital nomads. It's also pretty common to. Be at this foreign place for, let's say, more than a couple of months or so, and then maybe you go to the next place. Maybe you don't.、Mm -hmm. And in China, more of this digital nomad discussion would be like, oh, this person has. Oh, this is this, this sounds very much like a dream to me.、Um, leaving Beijing, Shanghai, the big cities, and go to Dali, Lijiang, or one of those smaller towns that are so picturesque that have a slower pace of life, and you enjoy the atmosphere there, and hopefully cheaper rent and everything. And also be able to do your job remotely. So,、um, you know, the details might be a bit different, but there are still some shared、uh, characteristics as such. So, what do you think about this sort of? Well, I wouldn't want to say hatred, but yes, let's just say hostility towards these foreign remote workers. Well, I think 
first of all, like in the case of the Bali incident,、mm-hmm. is that I think the some remote. Workers from especially developed countries, they're sort of having this privilege that, of course, their income is much much higher than the local workers, and also they went to a place like Bali. But I think the majority of these nomads, quote unquote. They they are not really seeking to immerse themselves with the local culture, with the local culture in Bali, or to see how the local lifestyle is. But they are really seeking, ah,、uh, basically a similar environment to what they have, say, in the United States. But at a lower cost.、Mm. So I think that brings the problem to the local community is that, for the local people, they are sort of stuck in the position of, I can only work as, for example, a waiter or waitress at a local cafe serving this、um, privileged nomads people having really high income. But what I get in return is really just. Really low pay as a waiting staff at the local cafe, and I think that's also why the country, the government of Indonesia, is also having a sort of、uh, a, a sort of I won't say it's criticism,、mm-hmm. but it's like they want to see these nomads paying their. Contribute can be able to contribute to their local economy. That's really why they want. You know, remote workers to go to Indonesia and work there.、Mm-hmm. They're hoping maybe in some certain ways they can help with the local economy, local tourism, or local taxes, taxation、um, authorities, whatever in whatever ways. But you know, right now I don't think they're paying taxes in Bali. Certainly not, and it's、mm. not just in Indonesia. You know, there's many criticisms or all this talk about the invasion, quote unquote, invasion of foreign remote workers happening in Mexico cities and other places such as Lisbon or Bali, as you guys have mentioned. So, yes, if you're paying tax to home, your home country,、mm-hmm. but also they are cons- making consumption decisions in this destination country as well. They're、mm. paying rents. They're buying. Coffee. They're possibly renting up space or going to these cafes or whatever places and、uh, put their computer down and work on their desktop for the whole day. So they're also paying something, and they're and also they're like living there, you know. So they contribute、mm. to the tourism industry as well. So, Ding Hong, what do you think about this argument of、yeah. you know are are they hated by the locals? Are they doing enough without disturbing the local、uh, life as such? Yeah,、uh, of course, it's undeniable that they are contributing to the local consumption. They are they are paying some money for their consumption behavior, but. It seems like those are really not enough because sometimes you know even their consumption behavior can be pretty you know disruptive. Let's put it in this way to the local people's、um, original lifestyle.、Mm-hmm. You know, for example, in the case of the Mexico City that、uh, He Yang you have mentioned earlier, I guess the story I have read about is that a a very well known local sandwich store. 
uh, had to close after 54 years of uh, business operation, successful business operation. Now it has to close down. Why? Because it was uh, located in a an area that is now being converted into a community featuring bars, cafes, and studios, work studios, in order to accommodate these uh, nomads. And because of that, the, the I guess the, the, uh, the, the rental prices in that particular area are simply too high for the sandwich store owners. And I guess that particular sandwich store has been loved and liked. It has become even a kind of a living memory for generations of local residents. Now it has to close down because of this changed um, local consumption pattern. It's indeed a pity. And, you know, so that's something uh, local mm -hmm. authorities are trying to, I guess, trying to fix. But whether they can devise any concrete measures, it remains to be seen, you know. Yes, but do you think that maybe it's kind of picking the wrong enemy? The example that Ding Heng, you just uh, mentioned, it's actually a good one. It is, um, because maybe it's possibly easier to make that connection between digital nomads or the rising numbers of which and maybe driving up the prices of and rent of a specific place and also resulting in the um, phenomenon called gentrification. And we've seen that all over the world and even in Beijing, not necessarily have anything to do with digital nomads. But when you see these old dilapidated neighborhoods be renovated into um, fresh looking nice places with cafes, bars and nice places that the urban white collar workers or people with a little bit more disposable income in your pocket would like to frequent. And guess what? The rent goes up. The place loses its original flavor. And that is a process called gentrification. In in Mexico City, in Lisbon, in Portugal, and all these places, they might be going through a similar process. But can you sort of directly pinpoint and say, hey, digital nomads, it's you that is driving up prices. And <laughs> that might be a little bit of, you know, a, mm. a fi fi finding a um, scapegoat yeah. or yeah. an easy target as such. Well, it's... It's true, I think. And also, I think it's understandable because, you know, the, the nomads, they are basically foreigners. And in most countries, foreigners are the easy ones to be blamed. And of course, in case of, for example, in the case of Mexico, Mexico City, that uh, the certain local shops have to close so that they can build a new business center is that I think it may help, for example, with the local economy, but I th also think for local community to co-live mm -hmm. with these digital nomads is that maybe the governments need to step up a little bit more. For example, they can create a space for these digital nomads so that they don't have to go to a place in the city center and squeeze out all the loved uh, local shops that's been around for decades but now have to be closed down because of this new trend is popping up in the city. For example, I read an example actually in I think Zhejiang province in China is that they are they are also 
trying to welcome more digital nomads into smaller counties and even villages,、mm. and their way of trying to help them to settle in these places is that they are converting, for example, deserted factories into an. And sort of office buildings, so that、yeah. these nomads, quote unquote, can rent, <laughs> can have a place to work, and also mingle, basically, to create a community of themselves. And in this way, I think maybe is one of the options that the local community can co-live and co-exist with this new young workforce. That I basically think governments want them because. They're creating consumption. They're creating economy, and they help with a lot of a lot of aspects in the society. And that's why we are seeing more countries are launching the so-called digital nomad visa、mm-hmm. specifically for these people.、Yeah. So I think they definitely help、yeah. in the society. It's just how to mitigate mitigate the way the changes they bring to the society is really what the governments. Should step up and take actions. Yeah, yeah, and also here、uh, it's probably useful to just provide a small、um, footnote to digital nomads. Who are they?、Um, why are they sort of coveted as a group of people that many、um, economies around the world would l- like to attract them? Well, digital nomads are many different types of workers. Some are freelancers or inter- Independent contractors, and some are entrepreneurs building their own businesses, and others work in full-time remote positions for companies around the world. And some are salaried, while while others rely on possibly more of a fluctuation of income. But largely,、um, many of these workers they're white collar and they are educated. They、um, They have、mm. the privilege of leading this kind of lifestyle and still be paid. And therefore, when you look at individual or, or sorry, local economies, then it makes sense to want to attract these people. But if you look at China, for example, I still okay. We've tried. We've. Scramble to find figures, and it's just extremely difficult to see what the figure might be of this group of people called digital nomads in China.、Um, but internationally, we did find some concrete figures, according to research from M. Bo partners. This is in the U.S. alone. 16.9 million people describe themselves as digital nomads in 2022, and that was a 131 percent increase from 7.3 million in the before times of COVID. So, but if you look at that number, even within the U.S., it's not like a humongous proportion of their workforce. So, anyhow, there these are folks that.、Um, Uh, may- maybe it's pretty smart of governments to try to zero in and think that you know it would make sense to attract you guys, and、um, even till today, it seems like they are still welcome,、um, despite what the local people might think. And do you think it's pretty much just that you know trying to boost local consumption, and that's the whole consideration? Yeah, I think that that's largely the case. You think so? Yeah. Then what do you think is、um, so、mm-hmm. desirable of of this lifestyle even till today, when we've seen sort of the good and bad of、uh, digital nomads? Well, I think from 
um, the government perspective, first of all, is that if we look at cities or counties or regions um, differently, case by case, there are, for example, for cities like Lisbon or Mexico City, they are the capital city. They have a large population in that country already. And but when you look at other cities, for example, they are uh, severely affected. Because their population is aging, or a lot of the population、mm. is going out of the city, and I think then the governments are thinking maybe we are having these、uh, nomads moving into such cities and counties. One would be a good idea to help with the local situation over there, and then I think for some counties also in China is the same case. For example, the Lingshui County in Hainan Province. You know, probably most people haven't heard about it. But it's a small county neighboring the famous city of Sanya,、mm-hmm. and the reason that they are welcoming digital nomads is basically they are trying to compete in a way with Sanya by in- welcoming and attracting more talents to work there and live there and contributing to the local economy. And that's from the perspective of the government. Government,、mm-hmm. but from the perspective of people of individuals, I think it's that most of People who say they they choose this lifestyle is because it's flexible. I don't have to work sit in the office eight hours every day, and I don't have to pinch in at a certain hour in the morning and pinch out at a certain hour at night. And I can travel while working at the same time. I can see different cultures. I can move around different cities and even With the around、visa. the world. <laughs> yeah, and also especially if. The visa situation、mm, can、yeah. be improved. I can see different, you know, go to country by country, and especially for a lot of young people, I think、yeah. a lot of the young people are dreaming of, you know, I want to have a world trip. I want to travel globally. I want to see two hundred countries and regions in the world. And、yeah. this way, you can still have some income and still make that dream come true. And I、yeah. think that's maybe why these nomadic digital Nomads lifestyle is still attractive for the younger populations. Is it because once you get older, if you've put your roots down, if you've、um, have if you have a family which involves, let's say, if you have a baby, and then you can't just pick up and go. So yeah, yeah. So my observation is um, probably um, pr- a pretty large proportion of these、uh, so-called nomads are actually. Switching between different kind of、uh, lifestyles or life patterns. For of course, on one hand, they want to find a way, you know, to satisfy their dreams about traveling around the world. One thing that Feifei talked about earlier.、Um, so I guess one option for them is to, you know, to 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 behave like a travel vloggers online.、Mm-hmm. They travel, they share some videos online, and then make some. Profit from these videos, but、um, this kind of、um, uh, so-called job opportunities are not really financially, you know, sustainable or stable. There, there can be times when they are under some financial or monetary stress, and then they might temporarily settle down in a major city and find a fixed job at a fixed、uh, office location. 
And then after saving some money by doing this fixed job, they can start traveling again. Yeah, maybe that's the pattern. But it's all about freedom, in my observation. Yeah, that <laughs> is really nice. But also,、um, there's the obvious、uh, downside, as you guys have mentioned. Of it's just it's. It's not a stable lifestyle.、Mm. Um, if you have enough like cash as cushion to sit on and you can do whatever, then yes, that is <laughs> really nice. <laughs> But for most people, it, can you even find a job that sustains this kind of lifestyle? For you know, if you do a radio show, you're tied to this spot every day. There's nowhere you can go、mm. unless you are on a special trip, and then you you you're shipped to another place, and then、mm. you know all the equipment and your 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 team has to go together, and then you can probably do a show there. But it's not like you can. Okay, I don't want to sound ungrateful. I'm just saying that it's a certain kind of job that many regular workers just feel is kind of out of your reach, or you have to make sacrifices、mm-hmm. uh, to have that kind of job to to sustain a lifestyle as such. But before we go, I do wonder.、Um, you know, we, we've we've sort of laid the、um, the the. We sort of weighs, you know, the pros and cons and such. But、uh, you know, for those who are already engaged or thinking about to be engaged in this kind of digital nomad lifestyle, is there、um, better ways to sort of to interact with the people? That's your destination、um, country without sort of just bluntly go in and just throw your dollars around, kind of thing. Well, I think is is that to make sure that、um, you can you can be connected to your destination before you land there. There are different channels that you can do that to find a community visit basically before personally you are physically there. And because a lot of the nomads have have been complaining about the the issue of loneliness、mm. of working in a different culture and country, and I think. You know, taking advantage of the online platforms to find your community. Yeah, I still think that this is the future of some sort, but you know, we're still at the very beginning of the digital work and life, personal life, lifestyle balance thing. We'll be back after this break. Ddive, a podcast of CGTN Radio. We go beyond headlines with reporters from around the world. Search for Deep Dive on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen. Take a deep dive into the news every week. Hear our conversations. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Ding Hong and Fei Fei in the studio. Coming up, hitting the gym consistently can be a daunting task, and one that is made even more difficult when the gym goer feels uncomfortable in their workout space in response to gym intimidation and unwanted attention from men. Female-only gyms are picking up steam in Chinese cities, and also across the world. It seems we take a look at this new trend in the fitness industry. 
And the summer season is just begging for romance. It has the reputation of being the perfect time to fall in love. Is summer indeed the best season of love? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five-star review. It will help other folks find the show. And there's got to be questions you want to raise and hear us discuss. So share it with us, would ya? There's a place to do it. EZFM Roundtable at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are always better. Your voice could be featured in our heart-to-heart segment. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion, have you ever felt gym intimidation? That's intimidation in the gym. Do you know how it feels when the prospect of entering into a crowded gym full of serious gym fanatics utterly deter you from going? For a workout, the normal gym setting may be overwhelming and somewhat daunting, especially for female gym goers who receive unwanted stares and attention from men at the gym. That often causes her discomfort. Women-only gyms have attempted to address these concerns by fostering. A safe, supportive environment for those who don't want to worry about being watched or harassed. So. Let's talk about this: the rise of female-only gyms in Chinese cities, and it is a thing now. Exactly, especially in cities like、um, Beijing, Shanghai, Zhuzhou, Wuhan, and Hangzhou, and more recently in the city of Changsha, the city has the second largest proportion of female fitness users in China, and they are seeing more women-only gyms. And so, basically. The gyms only accept female members, and all the trainers and coaches there are also female. And they provide, you know, basically the gym courses and services you'd expect、mm-hmm. from any gym. And it means to create this safe, private, clean, and comfortable space only for women from all the stares and harassments that could happen in other, you know, all gender gyms around the country. And also, the the, the I think these really.、Um, Uh, interests me the most、uh-huh. is that the design of the facilities and equipments there are catering a female need. For example, as me,、uh, as someone who is 160 centimeters high, told that when I go to a conventional gym, what I struggle most is that all of the facilities and equipment there are just. So out of my reach. For example, there is a machine called the lat machine, which basically concentrates on the muscles of your backs, and you are sort of pulling down、mm. a really long bar. I can't reach that bar after, especially a man just use that because、mm. the bar is just too tall. I have to stand. I have to use some sort of help to、mm. to reach that bar. And I think in in an environment, for example, these all female gym, their equipment is catering is considering my situation. For、mm-hmm. example, my height,、mm-hmm. and so that I don't have to step up on a stool to reach through that bar on a lat machine. I can、mm. just reach through that bar 
as any other members in the gym. So it could it has its pros, I think.、Mm. Yeah. So basically, I think all these are、uh, complaints、um, listed by Feifei is enough to justify the existence of these,、um, you know, female only or women only、uh, gyms. I、yeah. guess compared to those conventional gyms, women only gyms probably tend to pay more attention to these. Indoor declaration, for example, offering more courses like improving posture or postpartum rehabilitation. That's a very important、uh, aspect of、uh, female health,、mm-hmm. and、um, you know, and I, I guess、um, more often than not, it, it is a it's it's really about. Uh, whether those machines and equipment and those facilities are are female friendly, including like if we talk about the size of these machines and equipment, and whether they are easy to use for women.、Mm-hmm. So, and I guess another important issue is that、uh, compared to、uh, guys, women tend to pay more attention to the hygiene issue. So, <laughs> I guess these these are this is another issue that these、uh, women only. Gyms pay more attention to. Really? Yeah, <laughs> that, exactly. That should be something that all human beings pay attention to. You know, some of these ha- the handles of the various equipment in the gym can be so greasy. <laughs> It's like yeah. shocking. Yeah.、Mm. Ever since COVID, I think COVID has turned me into a germaphobe. <laughs> I just have to carry my、uh, wet wipes everywhere. I didn't used to be that kind of person, but now I am. So that be that, and、um, it, but also what you just mentioned, Fefe, it's an interesting discussion.、Uh, is this more like just among women, possibly? Because originally I used to hold exactly the same view. That is, well, when it comes to fitness, then apparently men and women are kind of different because our bodies are built kind of differently. And anybody who's worked out intensively, and that's not me. They would know that for a woman to sort of、um, become ripped and jacked, and that's just almost—it's really hard. It—it's just the 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 testosterones and the other hormones in our bodies as such.、Uh, men and women, you know, are just kind of different, built differently, and、uh, it's it's just might be a little bit. Easier for men to sort of gain muscle in the upper torso, for example, and therefore, you know, your training regimen should be different, male versus female. But as I was doing research for this topic, and then I read quite in depth in what some of the、um, fitness experts say, or also some of what the female gym consumers say,、uh, is that.、Um, s- Well, maybe this is a cultural thing. Like in the U.S., for example, I saw that there's this really popular、uh, TikTok social influencer, and she's, may I say, very bulky,、mm-hmm. and she takes great pride in that. And then in their culture, it's seen as utterly beautiful. And so she does power lifting just like a man, and she's like, you know, female gyms fine. You know, there are these obvious、uh, benefits that I think we've alluded to, but she's more comfortable working in a so-called co-ed、uh, gym. Just with the guys and doing the power lifts as such, and in the female gym, she said there are just not enough heavy dumbbells for her,、mm-hmm. and she doesn't understand why is it that the gyms have to be sec- 
well, not have to be, but if they're segregated according to gender, then, you know, one of the selling points of the female gym is, oh, there are Zamba classes. There are all these other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very Mm. female oriented. And then in China, I think still this might be changing, but the overriding trend is still that women, you know, even when they go to when we go to the gym, the first thing that she's worried about is I don't want to bulk up. I don't lo- want to look like, um, what's that? Oh, a Hulk. I don't want to Hulk out, you know. Mm. I want to have these lean muscles that I look, you know, not too muscular. Mm. So there is also this interesting difference in what's seen as beautiful and feminine as well as fit mm. in these different cultures. I'm not saying which one is good or bad, but it seems like the preference is different. And then that's reflected by our consumer choices as well as maybe the kind of gym you want to frequent. Yeah, exactly. And especially, I think, if we're talking physically, I don't think there is much difference between female and male is just maybe in certain areas of the muscles, uh, females are weaker uh, compared with with male. But at the same time, in other parts of the muscles, males can also be weaker too mm. uh, than a woman. But then I think, for example, in all-female gym, the reason that they don't have, for example, enough higher or heavy weights, I think one is that um, not only they have a smaller pool of consumers, you are really cutting out half of the the, the, the market for you, you you're mm. only opening to this half of the population. Yeah. So the price is high, the maintenance is more difficult. Yeah. And of course, you want to cater to the majority of this pool. And of course, especially in China, weightlifting is definitely not a primary choice for most female goers. They're more interested in, in like cardio exercises, like on the treadmill mm. or in Pilates that are focusing really on the post posture instead of muscle training. Mm. And then if you are, want to focus on muscle training, you have to go to one of the conventional gyms so that they have a wider range of options that you can have. And then Speaking of this, I I was thinking the idea of all-female gym to especially a lot of people saying, you know, the creation of such gym is to sort of um, shield out the harassment and the staring from some men. Mm -hmm. I think it's unfair to a certain level is that these gyms cost more than a conventional gym. And does that mean you know, female gym goers are sort of punished because oh, they have to pay more yeah. to go to a gym like this. Yeah. And why is that? Why why are we sort of creating this cage for ourselves so that we feel safe and, and you know, everything around mm. that? Isn't I don't think it's, it's the solution to the problem here. Is It shouldn't be women that have to that feel they are compelled to avoid the stairs. And it shouldn't be the woman's responsibility to shell out more. Exactly. Just so that she feels a bit more safe. But also, yeah. what do you think, Ding Hong? Yeah, I think that's a very good point. Actually, I was not, uh, you know, right before Fei Fei talked about this particular point, I had no idea that these female-only gyms actually is more expensive Dance. They can be, yeah. Yeah, so Not yeah, all, if though. that's really the case, that's really, really unfair to our female 
uh, friends. Uh-huh. Yeah, indeed. So, yeah. I, I guess. But really, I think this uh, gym uh, harassment is a real issue. This is uh, many of my female friends have complained about to me in private. You know, they feel like they have been approached by men in a very Improper manner in a very uncomfortable manner. That's something, and and these are really supported by facts and data. For example, according to a study conducted by a sports promotion organization in England, a pretty high percentage of women stop going to a gym simply because they feel intimidated. And you you have already talked about this term like gym intimidation.、Mm-hmm. So. Really, and、uh, there is more study, like another survey of 900 women conducted by a fitness website, found that 71% of them changed their workout routine due to a negative encounter, such as being watched or being followed around, or those undesired physical contest,、uh, con- contact. You know,、mm. well. That's the that's really bad, but、uh, I, I'm not sh- sure how prevalent really is this physical attack. I mean, if that happens, then that person you know, I feel like calling the police.、Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's really subtle. It's like you walk into a room immediately. Also, it depends on how you look at the world at the same time. Some people say that they go into the gym and they feel immediately the gym. Intimidation, feeling、mm. like you don't belong here when,、mm. when、um, you've got like super muscly men and sometimes wearing very little, or according to observations of reports, sometimes、um, completely topless. And、mm. I, I'm not sure. Well, do may, many women would prefer? Not to see that, you know.、Mm-hmm. So, like, as as long as you're wearing a t-shirt or or at least a tank top, you know, even in the gym, guys, because you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's it should be should be a reminder for the guys, for the male gym goers, is that don't take off your shirt during a workout session, especially when, when women are around, around you. Yeah, I know you are not doing this intentionally.、Mm-hmm. That you're not showing muscles off. Specifically to the women, you are just want to show to see your results from this session. But I would appreciate you doing that in the you know locker room privately, not、mm-hmm. openly in you know、uh, in the weightlifting a part of the gym、mm-hmm. where I'm still doing my session on the other side, and I don't want to work you topless. And that's just <laughs> one reminder there.、Mm. And another reminder, I think, is really because it's it's a common place that everybody can go. We also encounter people, both male and female, having this really weird moaning. During their workout <laughs> sessions, that's and how they work out sometimes. Yeah, but it's, it can be really, you know, the sound of it can be really. I don't know. It's really difficult to describe, but I think people will know、mm-hmm. when, if they've they've been there. Sometimes it can be very loud. Yeah,、mm-hmm. it is. You can't even shield it out, even with your headphones. You can still hear them with loud music playing in your ears. You can still hear them, and I think it's not only about a gender issue. It's more of about 
consciousness, awareness of you know you you you're supposed to show respects to other people who are also training with you in the same place, yes, in the same space. So you know maybe keep it down a little bit,、um, regardless of you know seeing your results on the muscles after the training or to to express yourself during that workout, really heavy workout session.、Mm-hmm. And I think that's really not a Gender issue, I would say, is more of about every people can 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 encounter that. Yes, so it's more of general gym social adequate、uh, etiquette, and that's、exactly. nice to have it in mind. You know, we're just raising that point, and th- this is also a very、um, enlightening discussion and research process for me as well. I used to think that. Oh, maybe it's just in my head. It's because I look at the this world a certain way, and therefore you think, oh, these guys are staring at you, or it's unwanted attention. I I don't know. Maybe sometimes women are just socially conditioned to think that. Oh, it's probably me. Like you just go inwards in searching for. Oh, is it my problem, or is it something that I can avoid, and therefore, this thing doesn't. The problem will not exist. But、mm. with this topic, and then when I saw these n- numbers, they're just really, yeah. Like I said, enlightening. Like the videos with uh hash the hashtags Jim Creep and Jim Weirdo, they have garnered more than. A hundred million views on TikTok.、Oh. That's a lot.、Yeah. So it's not just in my head then,、mm. and and also I, I'm not sure. I sometimes, you know, when you go in the gym, you, you I, I try to think of it as you're in race horse mode. That is, the blinkers are on. I'm not here to meet people.、Mm-hmm. I'm here for a workout. And therefore, you just focus on your thing, and you, you sort of put on the resting bee face, and people won't come to talk to you.、Yeah. And then that's your thing. But apparently, you know, some people go in there to socialize as well,、yeah. men and women. So maybe the female gym is not really for this person. <laughs> But I do have、um, other experiences with the hashtag gym creep or gym weirdo.、Mm-hmm. Is that I see some other female. Posting videos online is that they have difficulties in the gym. For example, if they are doing this,、um, this. Uh, this squash, this squat, and the weight they put on themselves is too heavy, so、mm-hmm. that they can't stand up. But they have a lot of people around them. But all the, the all the men are afraid of、oh. looking at her, and they didn't realize that she's stuck there.、Oh. She was stuck there. She need help. But the man was like diverting their eyes to another place,、yeah. or basically looking only down at the floor. And the girl has to stuck there for a really long period of time. Why didn't she ask for help? Because people used, you know, put on、uh, headphones also in the gym, and so you either shout out, yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it can also、I'm、be、stuck. very, very difficult, especially、yeah. if you are pushed down、yeah. by really heavy lift, heavy bar there. And、mm. I think that's also where、oh. to draw the line between, you know, maybe he just look at me because he just his <laughs> eyes just. You know, just just there. It doesn't mean to stare at me、mm-hmm. because I'm a female. Maybe he just stare at a blank because you know because of the workout. He he can't really think too much. And、mm-hmm. then so that when that female gym goer needs help, 
people around her can really reach out to her timely in a timely yeah. manner. This might be yeah. a predicament for men because you don't、yeah. really you can't really tell when's going too far and when's just helping a woman. Yeah. So you know. So this actually reminds me of another point, which I think is pretty important because. Um, in these、uh, women-only gyms, I guess the atmosphere, the the vibe can be very, very different from the atmosphere in those traditional, conventional facilities. Like、um, I, I guess in those、um, conventional facilities, much of the atmosphere is about competitiveness. Like how many? Yeah, oh really? That's what men、yeah. think. They, they want <laughs>、really、to, you know, talk up on certain areas, <laughs> and they're talking about how to make these muscles. Yeah, try to understand them. Yeah, everybody, especially for men, everybody、yeah. is trying to outdo the、Each、others, other? right? Well, what's I, the fun in that? In looking at the world in that way, it's, you it's know, it's just part of the human <laughs>、yeah. nature, you know,、yeah. competitiveness.、Uh, Joking aside, yeah. yeah, showing showing other people I'm powerful, and but I guess in these um. Female-only gyms,、uh, probably trying to outdo each other, will make way for the, this kind of、uh, mutual support,、uh, like among those different、mm-hmm. ladies, in order to achieve certain physical targets. So maybe going back to this point that Fifi talked about, you know, when a lady needs assistance, needs support, maybe、um, assistance is more ready at those、um, female-only gyms. <laughs> well, it, it is interesting. The mindset is sometimes different, but not always. Because the way I look at, if you go to the gym, for example, it's more of a sense of community. I'm not thinking that I want to outdo everybody in the gym, but it's interesting. But you don't want to be left behind. <laughs> yeah. You don't want when people are lifting 100 kilograms、yeah. okay. and you are only lifting 99, and <laughs> you still want to reach that 100 as well. I'm so. Glad you're here to share your view, Feifei. Because you know, even among female fellow females, you know, we hold different views on this. And I'm glad there are competitive spirits like you out there. And it's now kind of official. I'm just kind of a slacker, <laughs> and I don't mind it. And it's it's nice to、uh, know that there are these、um, these female、uh, fitness spaces. Geared towards female needs out there, but also you have the choice of going to the regular gyms too. And then all in all, I think it's important to have the voices of minorities to be heard.、Mm-hmm. And then you know, once that happens, hopefully you know it can mount to reasonable change. And、um, and it's important to sort of know each other's situation. That is so important. In life, in my opinion, you're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, the best season to fall in love is apparently now. <laughs> Stay tuned, and I find out more on that. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, He Young. I'm joined by Fei Fei and Ding Hong in the studio. Every season is a good one to be in love if it's the right one,、um, but summertime is the best. Taking long walks along the beach, eating ice cream under the shades, going to dance parties—it turns out summer has been the greatest matchmaker. 
all along. At least this is according to one article. <laughs> so, guys, do you agree? Like, why is it that summertime is like, ooh, a time to feel love in the air? Yeah, I kind of can understand the reasons. Is because you, of course, the weather is warmer and people are out more often, and there will be normally more events. Public events, especially in the city during summer, compared to, for example, in the winters. But for me, like I don't see summer is the best time because simply because it's just too hot. <laughs> You're sweaty. Yeah, I'm sweaty. I don't want like I think the article talk about you know、um, you are affected by the smells and the smells affect our memory and you smell something familiar and you you instantly feel a surge of emotions and you know the summer scent from sunscreen to the ocean and evoke many good feel good memories. But for me, like summer smells like sweat,、mm. a lot、You've、of times. You've been in the gym too often, too long. That's why, <laughs> my that. friend. Everywhere、yeah. I touch, it needs a little wipe before I touch it. Yeah. So I don't think summer is the best season. I will see like cooler seasons, like the spring or the autumn, would be more romantic. Okay. But that's only my personal view. Yeah. What yeah. Do you think? I agree. Actually,、yeah. smell has a very important impact. If especially, you know, I'm not a fan of sweating as well. But if you are. Walking in a park with a lot of grasses or trees during summertime, you know, really the the scent from these ah、uh, natural plants or plantation can be very comfortable and even a little, you know, arousing. You know, yes. So interesting, you brought that so, up. So so that's that's maybe that's a you know one of the、that's、factors the that can serve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to enhance this cross-gender interaction and、um, you know intimacy, I guess.、Oh, yeah, <laughs> it's also because you know during summertime people tend to wear、um, less. Yeah, show more flesh, <laughs> and、yeah. that's also another reason why it's supposed to be the greatest matchmaker season of、uh, all four seasons. Yeah. Yeah. And、yeah. also, warm weather、uh, doesn't just trigger dopamine; it also triggers serotonin, which makes you feel happy when、Whoa. you're in a good mood. You're and you're relaxed. Maybe you're in the best state of mind to fall for someone or be attracted to someone. And also, if this theory is solid, then your potential partner or existing partner would also be happy and feeling good, and that's、mm. conducive to a happy relationship or you know getting together, that kind of thing. Yeah, but I feel like at the end of the day, it you have to be with the right person. That's the most important thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like if you're with the right person, then summers. Sweatiness、yeah. isn't so gross anymore, and it's like you still want to cuddle with that person. And in winter time, you still want to cuddle with that person.、Time. Winter is the best cuddling season. Yes, and hot、oh, chocolate,、yeah. hot, hot pot, pot. Yeah. yeah, east and west、uh, way <laughs> of、uh, you know mingling and having a good time. But that's just way too hot a thought right now. I think it's.、Um, At the end of the day, you know, go enjoy yourselves. Hopefully, you can find that special someone if you're still searching. And that's it for today's roundtable. We'll see you next time.